We're back with more Reset. I'm your host, Sasha Ann Simons. The Chicago Reader, the Chicago's alt-weekly newspaper, has been delighting the people who leaf through its pages for more than half a century. To get a sense of the passion some of its readers have about its work, take a listen to Reset listener Tanya in Edgewater calling in when we marked the paper's 50th anniversary in the fall. Hi, I just wanted to say happy anniversary. And thank you guys for creating the reader. Um, It is fresh. It is funky. Anything we needed to know uh, that was going on in the city, all you have to do is grab a reader. But now the future of the Chicago Reader is in doubt. There's controversy surrounding the paper's editorial control, and it's threatening its transition to nonprofit status, which many had seen as a saving grace. Here to explain is independent journalist Mark Jacob, who recently wrote an op-ed in the Chicago Sun-Times about the situation. Welcome back to the show, Mark. Thank you. So take us back to the essay that kicked off the controversy that's threatening the future of this publication. Well, all right. So, um... Just to be to set it up, the uh, reader, you know, has been changing hands in recent years uh, several times, and it was a cash cow back in the day, you know, with advertising, and then the internet came in and and uh, uh, Craigslist and many other things, and it didn't make so much money, and it uh, was kind of struggling. And uh, a few years ago, uh, two uh, kind of leading civic players in Chicago, Elsie Higginbottom and Len Goodman, put up money to keep it going. And uh, Tracy Bame, well-known in Chicago for uh, her work with LGBTQ uh, publications and uh, just a real activist on the Chicago journalist scene, became publisher, and, uh, you know, they kept it going. And um, in order to keep it that way, uh, Tracy Bame, uh, proposed to take it to nonprofit status. And that would also, as she explained, mean that Goodman and Higginbottom didn't have to continue to shell out all the money they'd shelled out, about a million apiece, to keep it going. She mm-hmm. thought that nonprofit status would really set it up to uh, to be able to attract more donations and to get on a healthier footing. And so that was supposed to happen by about the end of the of uh, last year. It was, should, should have happened by now. But what happened in uh, November, Goodman, one of the owners, writes a uh, column in the in the reader, and he wrote a column uh, called Vaxing Our Kids, which uh, expressed serious doubts about the vaccinations, COVID vaccinations for children. And, uh, you know, and he brought up some things like ivermectin that uh, kind of set people off Mm-hmm. Uh, and expressed just general kind of, uh, some would say paranoia, other would say skepticism about the whole process. Well, when that column ran, it uh, it uh, annoyed some readers, it annoyed some staff members, and Tracy Bame, the publisher, uh, set out to, to fact-check it or hired somebody to, to look at fact-checking it, and that mm-hmm. set off this whole dispute where uh, Goodman viewed that as uh he and his allies viewed that as censorship. Others would call it editing. I, I would, frankly. And uh, so the, that kind of messed up the whole uh, timeline for the uh, emergence as a nonprofit. And so that's on hold, and there's a dispute in the board over, you know, how the future and who should control it. And there seems to be an attempt to uh, get rid of Tracy Bame as a, as a leader of the new nonprofit reader. And uh, my op-ed in the Sun-Times was pointing out that that was an awful shame because Tracy's such a 
positive, good player in uh, Chicago journalism. So the owner thought that fact-checking was censorship. Talk to us about why this uh, this transition to nonprofit status was seen as something that would provide stability to the publication. Well, uh, it sometimes makes it a lot easier for you to gain, uh, to attract uh, foundation money and other kinds of money. I mean, you, you guys know this on WBEZ, for example, that that being nonprofit uh, has probably made it easier for major foundations to uh, contribute because they're not like giving money to an institution that they don't know how they're going to take the money and whether people are going to profit, you know, un- unduly. So it sets that up. Uh, and and nonprofit, as I wrote in a separate piece for the Medill School at, at Northwestern uh, about a month or two ago, uh, there's a real trend toward nonprofit in Chicago um, with you guys with the Sun Times, you know, the merger with the Sun Times mm-hmm. uh, becoming the Sun Times becoming a nonprofit, which certainly never was before, and uh, the Block Club Chicago being nonprofit and you know quite journalistically successful at that. So that's a real trend, and some people think it's a real future for journalists. So as you mentioned, three key players here, owners Len Goodman and Elsie Higginbottom, and co-publisher Tracy Bame. What about the board? Mark, well, the board, you know, is 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 uh, appointed by Higginbottom and and Goodman, and it seems pretty split right now. What I hear is that uh, the owners are meeting to try to resolve the impasse this week, and that those talks are likely to continue next week, and I sure hope so. Um, so they're split, and that means that how the the nonprofit board is going to be constructed, and who will be, you know, in the leadership roles at the Reader, if it emerges as a nonprofit, is caught up in this whole dispute in which uh, the Goodman and his allies seem very upset with with Bame, and uh, it, it they just seem like they haven't figured out how how independent or dependent on the current owners the mm-hmm. future board will be. There's some concern that that uh, Len Goodman could set it up to where the new nonprofit would still be controlled by him. So they're, they're calling for Tracy to resign? To resign? That, you know what, the, the real problem with that is, you know, they've said on the record, and I think in the Sun-Times that article, they, they denied that they wanted her to leave, but it's pretty obvious that they do. Or that they want her to some certain concessions or something, because certainly the Tracy side of it would not have, you know, suggested that she, uh, you know, that she leave. And so somebody did on the board, and really, there are only two options for who it was on the board. It was either the Tracy Bame side or it was the Len Goodman side. And, you know, it's not hard to figure out who did it. And so that we're clear, the reader was approved for nonprofit status by the IRS in 2020. Um, it applied for a nonprofit status in, in February 2020, and it received IRS approval that fall. Why hasn't the nonprofit been able to take ownership immediately? Well, the reason they had they couldn't immediately is they got PPP loans. Uh, for the um, for COVID, so until those ran out, that it, it was just a technical matter where they couldn't convert to nonprofit. That's why that was supposed to wait until the end of uh, of 2021, and then it was supposed to happen. But then, of course, it got caught up in this uh, really unrelated dispute over uh, Len Goodman's column about uh, COVID, and and so now. What I said in my op-ed and sometimes was that we just need to take the personal stuff out of it. 
They need to think about what's important for the reader, uh, the Chicago reader, and mm-hmm. for the city at large, journalistically, and just move on. And uh, Tracy Bame's been a force for good in Chicago journalism for a very long time, and it would be a shame and could be, frankly, it could be fatal to the reader if they don't keep her in a role in which she can do the good that she's already been doing. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about the future of the popular alt-weekly, The Chicago Reader, and the unfolding controversy between ownership and publishers. Mark Jacob, who's an independent journalist, is our guest today. Uh, Mark, I want to talk about the impact of The Reader. Right? We did a segment commemorating the 50th anniversary, and we had listeners call in and they told us the impact that the paper had on their lives. Let's take a listen. Grabbing a reader, sitting at a bar alone, you didn't have to go with friends, and you could just sit at the bar, and you could start with section one, and you read through the whole thing, and just spend a whole afternoon by yourself, not even having to worry about being alone, because you had the reader there with you. Through a roommate ad, I met my long-term friend and dad of my children. We were uh, thinking of adopting at that time, and uh, open adoption wasn't that common. And there was one of those long-form stories um, about an agency called the Adoption Connection. You know, we looked them up and uh, used them to help us adopt our, our son and daughter. That was Ian from South Bend, Indiana, Linda in Grace Lake, and Tom in Mokina. Mark, after listening to that, what, do you, what are your thoughts on, on what folks had to say? It's, um, I mean, the reader isn't what it used to be. Many things are not, uh, including me. But they, but the reader has been a real force in Chicago for you know half a century now. And when it first came started came out, it was a super important alternative to the big newspapers, the Tribune and the Sun Times. Um, the reader, for example, uh, did one of the most high impact investigations about police misconduct in Chicago. Uh, they wrote to John Conroy at the reader wrote the most impactful stories about John Burge, the police commander who was uh, running, in fact, a a police torture squad. So that was very important. The reader was very important in uh, helping promote Chicago as a theater center. And so it it has this great history. But I'm not really – when when I say that that they need to get past the personal – and do what's best for the reader and for Chicago. I'm not really talking about the past. I feel like there's a place for the Chicago reader in today's world. Uh, it's a way different world than it was in 1971, but uh, the reader can find its lane. It's still very important for to give a voice to people who may not get a voice in other publications. It's important, you know, that it's um, it's important for uh, journalists of color. Mm-hmm. It's important for LGBTQ journalists. It's uh, it's it's one of those things where, as Chicago redefines its media landscape, and that's really happening in a very radical way right now. There seems to be that there's a place for the reader, and uh, it it just to, to increase the diversity in uh, publications in Chicago. Yeah, they they have been working hard to diversify and. and be a place for journalists of color, haven't they? No question, no question. I was uh, Karen Hawkins is a, a co-publisher along with uh, with uh, Tracy Bame, and she's uh, she's uh, black and uh, really a smart person. I interviewed her for a story I wrote for the Reader on their 50-year history, and you know, and she talked about in that article she talked about going up to uh, the North Side 
she lived in the south suburbs and she talked about going to the north side getting a reader and reading it and really hoping that she could be could work for a publication like that but didn't think she could because she thought it was run by by white people mm-hmm. and it was at the time but uh over the years it's really tried to uh be very welcoming to others and that's a, that's another thing about Tracy Bame is that's always been the way she operated she was always for inclusion and that's why I think it would be a, a horrible shame and just a, a waste, a uh, horrible shame for the city if, if, if she didn't continue to lead the reader. Well, sum it up for us, Mark. What kind of vacuum would be created if, if this doesn't get figured out and the reader ceased to exist? Well, I mean, you know, you'd have several dozen uh, fewer journalists working in Chicago, for one thing. Um You'd have less coverage of the arts. You'd have less coverage of 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 emerging arts. See, that's another thing that the reader always did is is try to find stuff that was not super popular yet, but might be in the future. And so, it gave opportunities to a lot of artists, a lot of photographers, a lot of musicians, a lot of actors, uh, and and really helped kind of help to build their careers. And that would be lost if the reader is lost. That was Mark Jacob, independent journalist. Mark, thank you so much. Thank you. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.